KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. There's a lot of coaching behind the scenes that goes on, and a lot of it becomes stressful, and a lot of it is like, oh my God, I, you know, I, I can't I have to do this again. But the moment you go out to the field, the moment you embrace with the players and, and get into the session, it all goes away, and you're like, this is what I love to do. And our guest this week is Villanova University men's soccer coach Tom Carlin. Just led the Wildcats to their first ever NCAA tournament victory this past season. A really successful campaign. And Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about this past season. You guys go to the NCAA tournament. I mentioned you win your first uh, tournament game as you beat Vermont. Uh, How satisfying was 2021? Yeah, I, I think that the best word that we came up with was validation. You know, our upperclassmen, uh, juniors and seniors, uh, they've been working at this for a while. We had a 19 campaign where um, we didn't give up many goals. Uh, we had trouble scoring goals, but we really started to uh, turn the program around as far as the quality and closing the gap with the top teams. Then we went through the whole COVID season and um, our COVID season wasn't as successful as, as we had won it result-wise. But when you looked at it from, I, I continue to say, closing the gap and the quality of, of our of our soccer, we really knew that, that 21 with returning everybody was going to be a great season. And then, and then, of course, we had the little extra added motivation of being picked last in the conference. And uh, we kind of we laughed at it because we knew that our, our group was strong and, and, and we had we were pretty far along in our attacking and defensive schemes. And then we went into to this year and, and we did it. We came out to a, a, a really fast start. Uh, we stumbled a little bit in the middle, uh, had some injuries that we had to endure through, but also just you know kind of still figuring ourselves out. And then we finished strong. We finished strong and I think by the end it was, we validated uh, the process, right? We validated, you know, all the hard work and the time that we had put into it and, and all the, you know, kind of just, we, had, we you know, the mindset of, of what we believed we can do, uh, we achieved. So it was very nice. It was very nice for the group. I wanted to ask you about that preseason poll because as someone who's voted in many a preseason poll through the years, you know, in my opinion, they really don't tell you much because especially in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, but you know, you, you said you laughed a little bit when you saw that, but knowing where your team was, you obviously saw the opportunity for something that could really be a a constant motivating factor. Right, right. Yeah. Like when, when, when that comes out, it could either be pressure or opportunity, right? It could, it could either be something that uh, you lose the first game and the guys look at, oh, here we go again. We got picked last and we can't do this. Or you look at it as opportunity. And 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 th- that that's just really speaks to the strength of the group, right? Um, something along those lines, um, you know, of, of an outside, I call it noise, um, didn't get in the way of, of the belief in this group to be able to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. So um, we definitely used it as as fuel, right, to our fire. And I mentioned you win the first tournament game in program history, beating Vermont. What 
was that like for the group, for the program to kind of reach a level that you guys hadn't been able to reach before? What is that feeling of, I think you mentioned validation before, but just also just the feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. Like when, when you go through the moment, you're not really thinking about you haven't done that before as a program, right? You're thinking about you're getting ready for a game, right? You're thinking about you're getting ready for a game. And then as a coach, um, you're thinking about, okay, really what you did wrong, what you need to learn from, and then who are we playing next, right? So you hear, um, you know, you see, you read, you know, kind of uh, stories online or you hear people around the department say that out loud but you're still just in the mindset of getting ready for Notre Dame, you know? And, um, and that's just as a coach and as a player, I think what you're trained to do after the season's over, then it kind of sets in a little bit, right? Uh, then it sets in that, Hey, you know, great job. Great job. Really proud of, of our staff, really proud of our guys and really proud of the work that we put into this chase. You know, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of resilience to get here, you know, and, um, you're just proud, you're proud and, and you're just feel so fortunate and thankful to work at a university like this, um, that allows you the opportunity after we, you know, had a success in 16 and then stumbled in 17 and then had to go on this complete like rebuild. Um, you're, you're, you're blessed to, to work at a university that, you know, didn't put pressure on you. The only pressure is more just from yourself, you know? Um, so, so you start thinking about all that stuff, all that stuff. But it's, to be honest, Matt, it's really after the season that that really sinks in. What is your earliest soccer memory growing up? Uh, you know, when you think about kind of your introduction to the sport, where's the on-ramp? Yeah, the, the on-ramp was uh, Rutgers University. Um, my, my uncle, Charlie DeSilly, um, who's a, you know, Philly legend is in the temple soccer hall of fame. Um, he was the head coach at Rutgers university for the women's soccer team. And, uh, you know, I grew up at Rutgers soccer camps, um, from the time I can, I don't know, five, six years old, I was always going to, um, my uncle's camps, attending the camps, and then I started to uh, work the camps. Um, I was um, a counselor, but then also the camp store guy. <laughs> so, um, so that's those are my my first memories of of soccer. Um, you know, growing up locally, um, you know, playing at St. Ephraim and Ben Salem and uh, Holy Ghost Prep, and um, you know, our '92 state championship team. You know, always will remember that. And, and then UGH and Phoenix, you know, um, and, and YMS playing for those soccer clubs. Always remember that as well. But it all started at Rutgers University soccer camps. That's that's for me where the passion for the game of soccer and and really seeing what it was like to live as a coach, uh, being, you know, behind the scenes with my uncle, uh, wh where it all came from. What was it about the game itself? the actual sport that you fell in love with. What, what, what was it about? I mean, obviously you had access and you, you had this window 
uh, into to what the sport could be from a very young age. But actual playing, what did it do for you? I was a baseball and a soccer player, probably better at baseball than I was at soccer when I was younger. But I, um, you know, sorry for baseball players, but I always found baseball boring. Um, you know, it, it was it was a lot of inactivity, standing around. Uh, for me, I I, I love the fact um, you know, soccer where it was nonstop, nonstop action, no timeouts, really. Um, it was just, you know, um, constant movement, uh, constant, you know, thought provoking, uh, moments. Um, and that was something that kind of just, you know, uh, complemented my, my personality. Um, and from there it was just, you know, uh, just continuing to learn about the game and, um, you know, it, it took me a while to really, because growing up, like soccer wasn't on TV. Right. So it's not like this generation where they get to watch so much soccer. We didn't really have that. We didn't really have that. We had like the world cups. Right. And then, um, some, some moments of, of soccer that would be on TV that you would watch. But, um, you know, it, it took me a while to, to really, uh, learn the game and appreciate the game to, you know, and I, most of that was done through coaching, but early on, I just, you know, I, I loved, uh, you know, the, the ability to go out there and, and cover a lot of ground and run around for 90 minutes, right. 80 minutes, whatever it was when you're younger and uh, just the constant nonstop flow of the game. What position did you play? When I was younger at Holy ghost, I played outside back Um and um, then once I got to college, uh, I, I played, I was up top. Um, so I played as a forward in college. When I was younger, I think, you know, you're playing so many positions when you're younger. But, you know, high school and college, that's where I was at. You mentioned state championship in 92 at Holy Ghost Prep. Am I correct? You played in three straight state championships? Yep, yep. Three state championships. I was there for two. Okay. I was junior, senior year. I was on JV sophomore year, Matt. But yes, the, the program did. What was it like to be part of a program that won at a level like that so consistently? Well, Fran Nick, who uh, just recently passed away, was such an unbelievable coach, an unbelievable father figure. Um, he really like just set the standard at that school for for soccer, and that that's what it's accredited to for me coming from, you know, like I, I, I was always around the game, but like I said, I was a two sport athlete. So I was as much baseball as I was soccer. And then in high school is when I had, to, well, it was not had to, but that's when I decided that I just wanted to do soccer. So I was a little late to the party with the game, but to be around like the quality of players that were there was just like, I loved every minute of it. You know, because it was so challenging for me to make varsity, to be a part of that. It wasn't easy for me. And, um, but it gave me a, a form of discipline, a form of commitment that, um, you know, really like shaped me to, to be a coach and to be the man and the father that I am today. So um, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. My mom forced me to go to Holy Ghost. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go to, um, Egan or, or, or Neshaminy. That was my, um, was my areas, my other choices. My mom forced me to go, but I, I still, to this day, thank her for having me be a part of, of that school. 
uh, that got me ready for college, but then most importantly, to be a part of that soccer program. Take me back to, to winning a state title. I mean, what do you remember about reaching that top of the mountain? Oh, man. Uh, it was awesome. It was such a great feeling. I, I remember um, guys like Pete Doran and um, Mark Origides who played at Drexel and Old Dominion. I remember just our team like completely relying on them. <laughs> um, I, I also remember like that, that team wasn't out of the three state championship teams. That one was the only one that won. Didn't have like a stud senior, right. Had, had just impactful leaders. And our record was like, not great. It was like 15 and six or whereas the other years we were like 20 and one. Right. So I remember that group not coming off to a great start. And I remember that group just through the strength of, of the culture of the team and, and the leadership that we had um, by the end, we got it done. And, and I remember hanging on in the state championship game against Quaker Valley. Um, Phil Oxidine played at Wake Forest. He was their forward. I remember him. And I remember defending him and thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this uh, for much longer? Um, but then once you achieve it, it's just the, 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 the relationships and the, the sense of uh, accomplishment uh, with your teammates um, and your coaches that is, is the one thing that endures. You continue playing. You go to Arcadia to play soccer. Uh, what sold you on Arcadia? I, I originally went to Clemson. And um, I, I was more going for, um, you know, a destination type school. I, I had then tried out for the team at Clemson and they were coming off a national championship. Uh, Woldy Harris and Mob Baba were, were there and much higher level than, you know, I, I, I actually made the team as a walk on, but saw that what my role was going to be and was kind of like, Hey, I, this isn't something that I want to do, even though I had tried out for it. Um, but then through the course of my first year at Clemson missed soccer. And, um, I had a, a few guys speaking of the state championship team, three or four guys that were at, um, or going to what was Beaver college at the time. So it was, it was when you, when you transfer and you're looking, for a new environment um you want to get it right and you want to be comfortable and that that was just comfortable to me um it was a program that didn't uh adam hertz was the head coach um he was actually the swarthmore at eight, uh, or sorry the ad at swarthmore and now the uh ad at um mcdaniel right daniel yep yep so adam was building a program and it, it wasn't based off of much past success. So it, it took us a while. It took us a while. It took us a while to um, get to a point where we were competitive uh, with the top teams. Uh, Cabrini College was uh, the number one. Uh, Duncan Hubley and Doug Meter um, had, had Cabrini going for a while. But um, our junior year, was the first year we ever made a pack. It was a Pennsylvania athletic conference playoff game. Um, and then senior year was the second one and we didn't win either one. So it wasn't until I became the head coach where we won our first 
conference game and then we started to win some conference championships. But um, I just remember that that's kind of where I found my voice. Um, that's where I found my ability to be a leader and, and to, you know, realize that I could influence others in a positive way um, as a leader. Uh, I was the captain there early, maybe as a freshman or sophomore. So that's kind of where I, I started to realize that uh, what I loved about coaching was, was that, was influence, you know, was, was um, the ability to have a voice and be heard and make an impact. You know, our, the soccer was, 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 was okay. And by the end of it, it got to a point where it was, we were competitive. Um, I scored a lot of goals. I was the, you know, that was fun. Um, I was the leading goal scorer uh, when I graduated, but then as the coach recruited someone that broke my record in two years. So uh, what it took me for uh, took him too, but um, you know, it, 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 really, um, you know, ignited the fire, uh, to be a coach. That was, that was the main thing that it did for me. And you mentioned me in the head coach at, uh, at Arcadia, you actually spent a grad assistant year on the, with the women's team. Am I correct? Prior to becoming the head coach of the men, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was, cause my uncle was a women's coach. So I, I was slated to be on the women's side. Everything that I had applied for when I got out of college was in women's soccer. Um, and that, and that's why I got the GA, uh, Art Goon, who is a good friend of mine. He's actually, a some sort of big wig at university of Tampa right now. Um, but, um, he, he had, um, known my uncle played for my uncle. Uh, his brother is Ray Goon, who, uh, is the head coach at Drexel. Um, Art was the women's coach there and, uh, he hired me as the GA. And then I was there for a, a semester as the GA and then the men's job came open and funny enough, like Matt, I was living with the players still, right. They were my teammates. Right. So I was living with the guys that were on the team. And then I applied for the job for the men's job. And as I applied for it, I moved out. Um, I just moved out, uh, actually moved in with my aunt and, um, you know, trying to figure things out and I got the job. So I got the job literally that first year after I graduated and I was coaching like some of my best friends, guys that were in my wedding, I, I was coaching them and uh, they hated me. Right. Uh, because I, I had to like, I had to separate myself from them. And the only way I could do that was by being tough. And um, <laughs> it's just, it was a funny, it was a funny year or two for me, you know, coaching my best friends, but guess what? Like we did it. Like we, we got it going. Uh, we got that program to places that it's never been. Right. Um, and uh, it was an unbelievable experience and um, so fortunate and, and blessed to be able to like, you know, be a coach at, I, I don't know, I was 22, 23, maybe, you, you know, I wasn't getting paid much, Matt. I, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, but to have that opportunity um, was, was, was really something that, you know, not, not many um, individuals, get at that age i'm i'm fascinated because one of the things that when i talk to people that transition from player to coaching is that young age and you talked about moving out and recognizing that you know if i'm going to be the coach i things can't go on as they've gone now things are going to be different 
Was that was that something you completely recognized on your own? Was that something you talked to somebody and they they kind of said you need to kind of set up guardrails, or was it just kind of a a reflex of you know what? If I'm going to be making these guys run sprints, we can't be hanging out and watching TV. Uh, this is something I've got to do. Was it completely kind of an internal thing with that 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 you went through those went through those moves? Completely instinctual. Um, completely like. Uh you know, uh, junior year, figuring out that I wanted to coach, already coaching club teams um, in in college while I was in college, and and the years of training from being around coaches, you know, all my life at, at camps, right? Um, you know, so unbelievably gracious of of Shirley Little and Jan Walbert at Arcadia, giving me the opportunity as well. Right. Because for as much as I moved out the, you know, for, for an athletic director <laughs> to believe in me um, at that point was um, something that, you know, I don't know if many ADs would have done, but, I, but I also think they saw it as well. You know, they saw how serious I was about it. Um, but yeah, Matt, it was just, it was instincts. It was instincts. It was, um, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I wanted to do, and um, I was ready for it. So that first year or two, when you're, you know, kind of going through that, were you happy? Were there times where you know your buddies, your you, you, everything's kind of weird? Uh, you know, did you have moments where is this the right thing to do, or were you always confident and always felt felt good about the direction? Uh, yeah, ne never one moment was I um, unhappy. <clears throat> you know, it was um, it was from 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 go. This is what I want to do. Um, I spent all all the hours that I could in the office. You know, um, um, I worked out a lot because it was uh, it, uh, there was a gym right there. So I, I mean, I literally was in the office twelve fifteen hours. You know, um, coaching club, uh, just chasing it. So, um, never, never one moment, um, you know, e even when I e e saw my friends getting out of college and making money, um, and then, you know, um, being in a situation where they, they had more resources than myself, um, always knew that this was, this was the path and, and always felt comfortable where I was at. And plus we were, it was working that, right. Like we, the first year we went 15 and six and won the first playoff game and then went to the final and, and lost in a, in a great game in the final. The second year um, we won the conference. Right. And, and then, um, you know, and then uh, from there, we, you know, uh, made us an elite eight run and we got, I'll never forget the day that we got Tom DeGeorge, <clears throat> who's actually, just got, um, I forget what high school he's coaching at, Council Rock or, or, or is, is it Archbishop Wood? It's, I think it's Wood, coaching at Wood, but he just, just got Coach of the Year honor. Uh, but I, I, I'll never, uh, but from the Southeastern Pennsylvania Coaches Association, um, but I'll never forget the moment we landed Tom DeGeorge. You know, it was like, uh, still to this day, um, I knew when, it, when we got him, I was like, and, that, and that's the guy who broke my record in two years. I knew like, Hey, we're, we could, we could go to a final four here. It was, 
as as we saw success, it just continued to to you know support this is what I was meant to do. And um, you know, from 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 the moment I got into that position, I knew it. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Villanova men's soccer coach Tom Carlin right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Villanova University head men's soccer coach Tom Carlin. What was the biggest lesson you learned as a young coach um, that maybe some – I see, and this is a question I think maybe doesn't hit the same with you because you had such immersion in soccer coaching for so long – uh, and having that instinct that I have to build walls between me and the players that I used to play with, stuff like that. But was there anything that first year or two that opened your eyes that that maybe you weren't anticipating that you that you learned that stuck with you today? It's funny, like at that time I was so young. Um, there there wasn't much <laughs> that during that time. What I was trying to do then was figure myself out tactically. Right. So like I was going to all the coaching courses that I could go to. I was getting my A license, my B license, my C license, my my uh, NSCAA premier, you know, uh, advanced national premier, all that kind of stuff. So I was trying to figure my myself out tactically. I knew how to recruit. Um, you know, I, I knew how to, like you said, create separation and, and be a leader of men. I, I just was trying to figure sort myself out tactically, you know, so that was most of that time. That was like what I was learning and thinking about, you know, um, years later, I, I, I look back and say what I learned from that time. And, um, it it sounds like such an easy thing, but when you have players that can score goals, you really are a great coach. You really are a great coach. That's what, and I look back and I like, man, man, it was so easy back then. And I had Tom DeGeorge and I had Rob White and I had Ben Swan and I had all these guys that were that were scoring goals at record pace and um and there was so many things that I wasn't good at or so many deficiencies that that other coaches probably you know that were older could have taken advantage of but they never could get to it because we were scoring goals you know um so you know definitely at the time I I was learning tactics and figuring my how to to manage in game but looking back, what I learned about is is life is a lot easier when you have goal scores. <laughs> to the point of who you are as a coach tactically, kind of describe right now. Like if you had to describe kind of your X and O coaching philosophy, what would it be? Yeah, it, it's 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 always adapting, um, and it, and it's 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 always coming up with a system of play that maximizes your players. You have to put your players in positions to succeed. You have to be able to build, you know, a, a system that, that really suits them, you know, and, um, you know, it, the, the, whether it's a four, three, three or a four, four, two or a three, five, two or so on and so forth. We really don't, we try not to get caught up in that. Um, we try to get caught up in, okay, Hey, this is how it's going to start. And this is how it might look at times, but um, we got to We got to flow um, based off of what the game, what the opponent gives us. And, um, you know, having your players um, understand that and, um, you know, the buy-in of the players um, is, is, is very important. 
And um, that, as 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 a coach, especially at you know when you're competing in the Big East and you're competing at this level, you have a bunch of different hats, right? Um, you have a GM hat, right? The general manager hat. You have have, have the coach hat, and and to some degree, you know, uh, you you're the owner as well, right? Um, at times, when you're building a team. The, the biggest thing is, is you have to go find players that fit your style, not your system, you know, your style. How, how, how do you, do you want to press? Um, do you want to have a little bit more possession oriented? Do you want to play a little bit more direct? You know, um, do you want to have a good balance of, of both? Right. Um, so, so the most important thing that I've learned over my time and, and actually giving credit to Tim Lenahan at Northwestern university my biggest mentor in this um, is how you build your roster, you know, how you allocate your scholarships. Um, you know, we were not fully funded for a lot of years here at Villanova. So we had to minimize mistakes and we really had to, it's very unforgiving here when you did make mistakes uh, because we were 20% behind, 30% behind, so on and so forth. So um, the, one of the biggest things I learned was that the general managing part of, of, you know, and that wasn't something I was ready for at Villanova when I got here. It was something that took me a while and I'm still learning um, in, in that phase, but uh, you have your system, you have your style, but you have to bring players in that, that best suited. And um, that's hard. That's hard because, you know, it, it's, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. But the biggest thing that we've, we've talked about was versatility and balance. You know, versatility and balance, and, and that's how we built the roster here at Villanova this year. You mentioned Northwestern. After all this success at Arcadia, you go to Northwestern 2006. Uh, your associate head coach there. Uh, why the move? Was this a move that what was behind? Why why did you decide to make this change? Yeah, it needed a new challenge. Uh, thought I took Arcadia as far as I could take it, um, and. Um, wanted to push myself into division one. Um, and interestingly enough, Matt, I, I started as the second assistant. At, um, I was only there for a year and a half. <laughs> um, but I started at the, as a second assistant uh, living in Lenny, uh, Tim Lenahan, Lenny's basement, um, making, I was part time. Um, so at 30, um, you know, not making much money part time working club soccer, making it work, uh, be on his, um, couch in the, in the basement, um, to, to, um, you know, becoming an associate head coach there, I don't know, a couple months, a couple months later and, um, being full time and then, um, playing big in big 10 games and be, or coaching, um, in big 10 games and, and, and recruiting and scouting for Indiana. You know, I went from, getting ready for uh, Gwinnett Mercy and Eastern and getting ready for Indiana and Michigan and some of the best of the best. I mean, it was, it was just such an unbelievable opportunity for me. Uh, you know, like when he called me and, and offered me the job, he, he goes, yeah, I'll give you, you know, 2440. I said, like, no, I, I don't need 2448 hours. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm in. Um, and um, getting out there, it, it was just, there was so much growth um, in that 18 months, whatever it was, 
that was had to be the most productive 18 months of my life. I can tell you that, um, you know, the amount of stuff that I had learned and was exposed to got me ready for everything that I was going to do at Nova, even though when I got here, I still realized I had so much more to learn. Um, and, and it took me a while, but, um, really most of it, um, had to be accredited to, to my time at Northwestern. You talk about preparing for Michigan and in Indiana and stuff like that. Did it feel for lack of a better term, natural? Like, well, this is the next step. This is, did you have moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like where, where were you kind of mentally, emotionally there? Cause you talk about going from, you know, getting ready for, you know, the, at the time, the pack to, to the big 10, was your mind ever blown, I guess, at, at the opportunity of what you were getting to do kind of in the moment? Um, I was ready. I was ready. My, my, my forte at that time was, was, you know, through all the tactical preparation that I put myself through at, at Arcadia, tactically, I was ready scouting. I was ready. So the day-to-day stuff of, of getting ready for an opponent of, of coaching a player at that level, um, because I did most of the training for Lenny, I was ready for, you know, that, that was the stuff that I just hit the ground running. And it was like, yeah, this is, I was so extremely appreciative and pinching myself every day that I was there, but hit the ground running. Right. It was the recruiting part and the um, decision-making the general manager part that I, I kind of was like, Oh man, what, you know, I got to step my game up here. And that was when I was, you know, really asking Lenny a lot of questions and really trying to figure out, um, the lay of the land, you know, um, sure. It's easy to go out and pick the best player on the field, but all of the other stuff that goes into it, you know, being able to see how they fit into, uh, a team dynamic, um, to meet with the parents, to see, you know, financially what resources you were going to be able to give and then, uh, to find players that fit academically and, you know, to recruit and, and sell your product or sell your university versus, you know, other, other schools and, you know, what defined us, what made us different, you know, all of those things, um, you know, was really a steep learning curve for me. Um, and, um, it was like, that's why I said like those 18 months were (laughs) like the, the, the most productive months. I mean, it was a lot that I was taking in. I was getting it, but yeah, like at times, uh, there was moments where like, oh man, this is, this is a lot, you know, this is, I'm not as far along as I thought I was right. When it was coming into that realm. After the the couple seasons, eighteen months at Northwestern, you come to Villanova as an assistant. Was this the opportunity? Were in your mind, did you want to get closer to home? Kind of, what's the origin story of coming to the main line? Yeah, so um, it's funny. Like I at Northwestern, we had went to the Elite Eight. Uh, we were beating Santa Barbara 2-1 at halftime in front of 10,000 people at Santa Barbara Stadium. Um, they came back, they scored 2-2. We have 
I don't know when our opportunity was 10, 15 minutes left, uh, our forwards in, um, he hits a post, uh, comes out. They, they had an Irish player. It was unbelievable. They go the other way, score. We lose the game three, two, but like I, to me, I'm like, I'm going to be at Northwestern for the next 10 years of my life. That was one of the greatest moments I still talk about of my life. <laughs> um, being a part of that. I still get the chills thinking about it. Still remember being in the locker room at halftime and uh, what that felt like being 45 minutes away from the final four. Um, so I wasn't leaving is where I'm going with that. I bought a house there, uh, a little condo, but I bought a condo there and in Chicago and I was set. I was in the office, um, Pat and Jim in, um, in, in Evanston and uh, Larry Sullivan, who I've, who I, we had played, Villanova when I was at Arcadia and um, I kind of just got to know Larry on the road, right. Recruiting as an assistant and he was the head coach and we kind of got to know each other. And uh, just out of nowhere, Larry calls me on my cell and, and says, um, you got a minute. I'm like, yeah, he said, I got an opportunity for you. Um, you know, um, I want you to come help me out and be my assistant. And um, he, he was, I, I think he was, at that time going through some stuff with the administration and he felt like he needed um, a guy that he could trust to, to steer him through the process. And also a guy that, Hey, like, you know, brought me in and said, I want to help you get this job here whenever it is that I leave. And I'm kind of like, wow, this is growing up in this area. I mean, this is, this is it, right? I mean, big East Villanova, uh, this is a dream job, you know? And, um, the offer was come, come here and, um, you know, either, um, be, um, uh, I don't know if, if things don't go right for him, it, it, you have an opportunity to take this job. And if you don't get it, you could be unemployed. Right. Um, or, or be able to, um, take a chance and have an opportunity to be at a university that you've always wanted to be at as a head coach. And it was tough. It was really, really tough because I was, I was settled in, I was settled in and I really struggled with this decision. You know, like I, I, I loved where I was at at Northwestern and, and I literally thought I'm at, like I said, I bought a condo there. I, I didn't think I was going anywhere, you know? Um, and I struggled with the decision and, um, but at, at the end of the day, my mom lives five minutes away from Villanova. Um, and uh, I had to take the chance. I had to take the chance. It was just, this is an opportunity that I can't pass up. And um, I, I got a, a a condo or a little uh, rental for six months um, here at, at, at um, you know, they, they only did like half year leases and I didn't know exactly what was going to go on. So I'm like, all right, I got a little condo. I didn't even move stuff in. I had a couch and a, you know, um, and a table and, and a computer and, you know, and that was it. Right. Um, and as it turns out, I got the job here and um, that season with Larry um was was almost as productive as as the eighteen months at 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 Northwestern. Uh, that was another mentor for me, uh, a guy that I owe everything to for for his phone call, for his belief in me, um, and and the six months it, I I gained another mentor. You know, started with my uncle, 
then obviously went into Art Goon and, you know, from there, then Tim, Tim Lenahan, and then from there, Larry Sullivan, right? The four, four fathers, right? The four mentors in my life that, that helped shape me who I am right now. But, um, you know, that, that's how Villanova started. Um, our, our first experience as my, um, uh, as the assistant, um, we beat number one Duke at Duke. And it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Larry let me do a lot of the training and, um, I, I really got to, to, to be, um, uh, a better, it, it was, it was, it was a lot of head coaching responsibilities that Larry gave to me, you know? Um, but, um, that opportunity and that leading to, to that game, that's when I knew like, yeah, yeah. I made the right decision. I made the right decision and, um, it led to this. So. And you, you took over, it was only what the one season as an assistant and then you took over as the head coach. Yeah. So six months in Larry had, had parted ways with Villanova and uh, then I had to go through the process, <laughs> I had to go through this stressful. Okay. Now, you know, am I the head coach or am, am I uh, unemployed and have to start over again? Right. Um, and uh, obviously was fortunate enough to get the job. How long was that process? And that had to be nuts just to, to, to go through. It felt like 15 years, Matt. Um, it was, uh, it was two months, two months, two month process. We ended in November and the middle of, uh, well, six weeks, actually. Um, you know, um, middle of December is when I got offered the job. What do you remember the call when you found out and was it excitement or more relief? Relief. One, 1000% relief. Um, and, and, and then, and then led to excitement. Right. right. Um, but it was relief because I, I was, I was really, you know, um, searching and stressed out because the longer it went, the more I felt like I wasn't going to get it, you know? So you take over the program. What are you, I mean, you were the assistant, so you know what the roster is, you know, recruits that are in the pipeline, but what do you have when you take over? We had a good base, right? We beat Duke at Duke, number one Duke at the time. We had the beginnings of a culture that was ready for success, right? So um, it was an interesting. I, I was still recruiting at that time too, right? So, um, so I had a bunch of guys lined up, right? When I was the, uh, I don't know if I even was the if I was considered the interim or not, but when I was going through that process, um, I I you know was still recruiting, right? So. So I did have a little bit of a base and a foundation with the players, which was nice. And that, that helped us build things. Right. So like, it took us a bit. I, you know, we started to in year three, um, started to see some success, um, started to earn some playoff bursts. It was in year. Uh, well, let's just say it was 2011. I think it was year four where we won our first playoff game. Um, ironically enough, it was at Notre Dame, uh, 10 years later, we returned. Um, but, um, we started to, we were so close all of those years, but when you're don't have the resources and, and our field was in bad shape, um, at that time and, um, our scholarship allotment, we were, we were behind, um, 
it was always an injury or two that really got in the way and and then kind of we we had trouble sustaining success right so we had moments and glimpses and that 2011 year was really a breakthrough year um which we had two wins against Notre Dame and then USF at USF another game I'll never forget Dom Dwyer the that was his year at USF where he was scoring every time he touched the ball it felt like or at least creating chances every time he touched the ball and then we lost to St. John's in the semis but the foundation that we had set in that first year um, really came to fruition um, in that 2012 season. And it, it takes time. It takes time to build. Um, and, and then I, I, I feel like from there, we, we kind of, we set the uh, record for the most wins in the program. We had, um, you know, um, um, established playoff wins you know, and, and from there it was like, okay, now how do we get to the NCAA tournament? Right. Um, but, but that foundation that we had started early, um, you know, really gave us an advantage, um, to, to, to help build it. And you mentioned the NCAA tournament. We talked about getting the first win this past season, but you, you get in for the first time in 2016. What, you know, if I talked to you before that season, do you think this is the group that can do it? Did they exceed expectations? Uh, what was that journey like to, to get to that first tournament? Yeah, so still, you know, you, you build it in 12 and you you think then, okay, hey, this is – we, we had a lot of guys graduate that year, um, a lot of impact guys. Um, but you still think like, okay, hey, now – we're going to keep building and, and, and our growth is going to, cause we were just completely upward, right. From, from when I first got here to 12. And then when you look at 13, 14, 15, we then kind of flattened out a little bit. And it was the first time we had to deal with that. And what we learned um, and, and so we went on this mission of trying to, when we got to 12, we had a good balanced, roster of juniors and seniors right and we didn't know it then but one of the things we really feel like at Villanova is that you you win with juniors and seniors here that was one thing we learned from Jay as he kind of went through his his whole progression um you're not sometimes not going to get the you know um, not going to out recruit uh, a UVA or or um some of these history programs that have uh, a little bit more when looking at facilities and so on and so forth. But what we do have here at Villanova is culture. And what we do have here is doing things the right way and the opportunity to play in the Big East. And um, when you, you know, after 12, after we didn't achieve the success, we, we tried to go hunting for a superstar. And we tried to say, okay, hey, can we build this a different way? And, and when we, as we went through that, what we learned was the way that we started with was actually the best way, you know, and, and we learned that through Jay uh, in, in those years, 12 to 16. And when, when, when you're learning these lessons, the reality is, Matt, 
that sometimes these lessons are two, three year lessons. It's crazy, right? People that aren't around it don't get that, right? Um, especially when like you do it the right way and guys aren't leaving your program, right? There's certain programs that'll have 15 guys on the transfer portal every year, um, but that's the way we do it. We don't do that here, right? So we coach the guys up that we have, you know, and we take accountability for the guys we bring here and that's that, right? Um, but um, when we when we were going into 16, we knew we had a good group, right? We knew our leadership and and the the balance and the depth. Um, we 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 knew we had something, um, but we just didn't, you know, obviously recognize that that was going to be the year that the tournament was going to happen. But we beat Boston College early at Boston College. And um, at that time, we were like, hey, we got something here. Um, and and as it went on, we really started to see that, like, you know, this the culture of the team, the upperclassmen, the experience was, was helping us, you know. And, um, you know, we didn't at the we, – we, we made the Big East. We won um, – we beat DePaul – in, in the first round of the playoffs, we lost to Butler in the semis. Um, we actually, that was a double overtime game. They scored with three minutes left. We had one of the best PK goalies in the country, we felt, at that time, and Will Steiner. We're three minutes away from being in the final and potentially hosting, uh, I think, Creighton maybe, but we would have been hosting a Big East final. Uh, lost in the last three minutes. And we, we, at that time, our RPI was we were on the bubble and we really thought we were on the outside looking in. But because we had those two top 25 wins, one against Creighton, one against uh, Boston College, we got in. But it was a complete surprise. Um, it wasn't a surprise with the team at the early on that we thought we could do it. But at the time where we were sitting, we didn't think we were in. And it was a surprise to be in. Um, but, you know, of course, because we were probably one of the last teams in, we draw Akron. <laughs> we draw a team that was in the final four the previous year, and we have to go out there. But, um, you know, but that, that's kind of how it went. Did the idea that it did kind of catch you guys – I mean, there's a, an elation to making a tournament feel, obviously. But is it even heightened where – you're kind of watching and you're like, well, we should watch, but I don't know. And, you know, I, I, I would imagine that heightens the excitement. Yeah. Well, I, I did know Matt. Um, okay. I got a, I got a source who told me I found out. I really went looking for it because, <laughs> because like you said, Matt, like, are you going to have a watch party or not? It, it's such a crazy thing that you get put into mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a coach, like, with this watch party thing, you know, like, you know, I, I really think like they should tell coaches <laughs> because it's like, you're like so uncomfortable. So I was like, I'm not going to have a watch party if I, if we're not in. So I, I, I found out, um, confidential confidentially. Um, but I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell one person, you know what I mean? I just said, well, I have the watch party. I told my wife actually. Um, I, but, um, you know, uh, and my boss and my boss, but, um, but, you know, like I didn't tell any of the support staff or the players or even the coaches. And uh, but I said, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We'll have a watch party. And um, so I knew. But the elation of the guys like that video, I still watch it. They were like 
jumping up and down, um, jumping on top of each other. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable moment for them and an unbelievable moment for the program. What is your absolute favorite part of what you do? Yeah, coming to work every well, let me say going to the field every day. There's there's a lot of coaching. I can't tell you through my 15 years the amount of time that people ask me, what do you do? Uh, and I say, I'm a coach. And they say, full-time? What else do you do? You know? And I'm like, you just don't even know. You don't even know. You have no clue, right? Um, but there's so much behind the scenes that goes on. Compliance, um, uh, paperwork, travel, uh, alumni relations, uh, fundraising, um, marketing, uh, selling your brand, social media, uh, camps, uh, recruiting. Uh, there's so much scouting video. I, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of hours Matt, that we watch video and, and, and a lot of it becomes stressful. And a lot of it is like, Oh my God, I, you know, I, I can't I have to do this again. But the moment you go out to the field, it all goes away. And, and the moment you embrace with the players and and get into the session, it all goes away. And you're like, this is what I love to do. You know, I love to be, uh, the relationship piece, Matt is, is why I do it. You know, um, I love, I love mentoring. Uh, I love, you know, um, being a leader of men and, and influencing them to do things they wouldn't otherwise have, have done. And, um, I love tactics. I love video. I love watching tape. I love planning. I love coming up with game plans, schemes. Um, I love the in-game adjustments you can make. Um, that kind of stuff is, is really what I, what I love about my job. Everything outside of that, you know, it's, it's just your job. It's just what you do, right? Um, but, but what gives me the most enjoyment is, uh, are those aspects. Tom Carlin, thanks so much for taking the time. This was great. Hey, Matt, really appreciate it. Thanks. Have, have a great holiday as well. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Villanova head men's soccer coach Tom Carlin for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.